What is up, y'all? Thanks again for rocking here with me. Uh, I am beyond pleased, pumped, excited. Seriously, I am. I need to be more hyped, but I have good friend, uh, scout, just general all-around NBA guy, uh, Josh Earl. You're going to see hear a whole lot about Josh in the future. Big plans coming up. But in the meantime, between time, you can follow him on Twitter at 2RedJEarl. Got it. 2, the number, Red, R-E-D-J, and then Earl, U-R-L. Definitely make sure to check that out, especially with some stuff that's really going to be coming up down the pipeline um, real, real soon this year. So uh, we're going to just go and dive into the offseason in large, you know, in mass. We're looking at the lottery teams right now, and we're going to do something of a two-party here. Part one right now is going to be diving into questions that each of us have for these lottery teams, um, and then... Just like Josh, if you ever heard of contextual scouting, or Josh, he likes to find solutions to these problems. So we're not just going to lay out the questions. We're going to lay out the questions for one and then try to solve said questions for two. So should be a fun two-parter. Um, and the benefit of time is giving me a chance to marinate on these questions we discussed today, or tonight, rather, and then be ready to uh, try to solve them. So before we even get into all that, uh, Josh, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, my friend. Had a, a nice dinner, which I told you about. It sounded like you had a lovely yes, dinner. Yes, well. looked amazing. Uh, Yours looked you, great. You got you got to be a, a food scout just as much as a basketball scout in my world. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling good, man. Looking forward to uh, looking at these lotto teams and trying to figure out what's going on with them and what could go on with them. <laughs> oh, it, it's definitely something, man. It is. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's a lot going on between the draft lottery. We see where the teams are. We have a team that was contending that I've been really sour on. I'm sure you know, Josh, it it rhymes with – it actually doesn't rhyme with Joe Rogan. It actually was sad. Um, but the, 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 the phonetics are there. Point being, we have a lot to discuss. Different teams in different modes of – um, rebuilding, contending, what have you. And yeah, it, it's some questions that kind of go with that. I'm excited to get into it. So I'm going to let you kind of go first. Let's dive into the first team you have and the big question they have. Man, that joke did not age well. It was Joe Cronin, y'all. Joe Cronin, okay? Yeah, I know it sucks. <laughs> I couldn't just let that sit. It was horrible. Josh, take it away, man. Man, yeah, that was, that was a joke that was as overcast as Portland is. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kind of laid this out uh, based on win-loss record. So this was pre-lottery when I, I laid this out. So it won't follow the exact order. But uh, first question or, or first team that I'm interested in kind of figuring out what question they need to be asking is the Houston Rockets. Got the uh, third overall pick, which in a lot of ways makes – Everything the easiest out of the top three for Houston. They just take whomever's left out, out of the likely top three picks. Mm-hmm. It, it's call it the uh, the Kevin Durant uh, situation in OKC. Uh, you know, like when you have a couple of clear cut picks and you're sitting pretty in, in pick number two or number three. You just get to sit there and let them choose for you. (laughs) Um, But my main question for the Houston Rockets is, can they find a second foundational player to pair with Jalen Green this offseason, whether that's through the draft or otherwise? That is 
the question. I... I, I guess I, I don't even I see I'm already wanting to kind of solve it, <laughs> but it's it's interesting because part of me goes, yes they can, but it depends if we're looking through the draft. If so, what kind of pieces there is to kind of dive oh. dive through what piece would fit best with Jalen Green? You know, I've seen it floating around Jabari Smith Jr. as just the best shooter in the draft potentially. Do you like a um, Jaden Ivey in the backcourt? Makes it explosive. Don't know if it makes a perfect fit. Got to wonder what happens with Kevin Porter Jr. there. He's extension eligible, so there's questions there as well. Um, of course, Paolo Bancaro, been talked about a bit there, right? Mm. And then, of course, Chet Holmgren as well, who I am not as high on as far as a fit with Jalen Green in that way. He'd be a, a game changer on the defensive side for sure, but uh, do you consider that a second star? I don't. I don't. I guess it depends on what you define as a star as well. Like I I think the most likely player in this draft class to become uh, what most people consider a star would be Paolo. Um, Mm -hmm. But the, the question is like, are you trying to get as many, are you trying to collect stars like trading cards or are you trying to build an elite team? Um, and, and you know, who who's going to – maybe, maybe uh, the right selection isn't the person who's going to have the best all-star odds themselves, but who's going to help boost Shangoon and Green's all-star chances. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I mean <sighs> – Oh, it's hard not to dive into this question. Do we think that that is Holmgren then? Because for me, it's Jabari or Apollo, but I'll tell you why. Oh, we should dive into this in a second. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into this we'll in dive part, into this two, part two. But, but yeah. like, it, it brings up a lot of interesting uh, things to consider. Yeah. It does. It does. Um, wow. This I, I love the way it's already going because you're right. Like In my head, it's six of them. Like, let's dive into the draft, but maybe I will look up some free agency stuff. For... My, for me, my question is this: how How far are we in terms of are are the are the Rockets still are the Rockets ready for the next phase of development? That's what the question has. That's what my question is: Are the Rockets ready for the next phase of development? You still have Christian Wood on the roster. You still have um, Kevin Porter Jr. roster. For me, those players are more holdovers of this Eric last Gordon kind too. of Eric Gordon as well. Exactly, these guys are more holdovers of this last phase, and not so much guys who will be on the next iteration of the Rockets. So you have to wonder, you know, Kevin Porter is, Kevin Porter Jr. is young enough, you know, but is he a good fit? He's kind of typecast as point guard, not typecast. He likes the point guard role. He's in there, but I don't know per se if that's his best position. Is he someone that's going to be more of an ancillary player? Is he someone who could fit more in that role? Role. Also, how much money do you afford to a guy like Kevin Porter who offensively, you know, I would say okay, uh, defensively growing, you know, is he a fit with Green? Look at Christian Wood. I guess similar questions, better, more accomplished offensively, a little bit of a, I don't want to say a hothead, but he's had some, some leadership, um, chemistry questions. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Defensively, he's there, you know, and then when you look at his age, you know, uh, 27, 28, he's more in a different bridge there, whether that is more for a contending team or letting him go to free agency, that's a question as well. And then of course, Eric Gordon, who we have, kind of discussed ad nauseum in terms of the Rockets for the last two years since James Harden was jettisoned out mm-hmm. in terms of being a guy who is definitely from another 
uh, era when they were contending basketball in his approaching mid thirties, a player who can offensively fill it up. Although, you know, maybe not as prolific as years past defensively, the stout defender and is a much better fit on a contending team than he is on a rocket squad. So that's, that's yes. my question. Just where are the rockets? Are we sure that they are ready to continue the development? Or are we still in, in this extended uh, phase one? It's a good question. I, have to imagine that the Rockets are at least listening to offers for Eric Gordon, for Christian Wood, and maybe for Kevin Porter Jr. Um, from what I understand, KPJ and Jalen Green are, are actually relatively close. Like, mm-hmm. like they enjoy uh, hanging out with each other and playing with each other. So like there, there's some additional potential concerns there. If you, if you do, look to move him that could you know potentially upset you know your 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 current foundational young player mm-hmm. um and and we know that planting those types of seeds is not something that typically works out for organizations down the line when these exactly. players have an opportunity to put their foot down um so it'll be it'll be interesting but i wouldn't be shocked if uh they go a little more tilted towards the youth development and youth focus and look to shift off uh at least from wood and gordon but we'll see i guess we'll see that's what i mean and and i guess does it happen and i mean this is a carry-on question it's not really a Mm -hmm. question but like depending on what the answer to that question is do we see them continue to move off players in offseason is a christian wood trade available can the rockets maybe trade for like a second draft player opportunity you know um guys like that like where are they in that phase same thing with eric gordon we're talking about his contract for two and a half years now really while james howard's still on the squad so if these guys are there are they going to kind of help usher along this next phase are they going to continue to carry on as they are and you know we kind of have the same uneasy balance of vets and young players like we did the year before with john wall and demarcus cousins and kevin porter jr and you know it's this weird not even balance. It's this unevenness that I want to see if the Rockets in their front office know, okay, where are we in terms of charting out our team's potentially upward trajectory? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, throwing it back to you, Josh, you established the question. I mean, the team and we'll just, you have an order. So I guess we'll just go All from right, there. We'll, we'll go with uh, the team that won the draft lottery, the Orlando magic. Oh yes. And, and to me, this question's pretty obvious. Me too. I know what, what you're going to say. They- do with this number one overall pick um there there's a couple of really good options here um and a couple options that for various reasons make more sense for how the the magic front office has kind of evaluated players and uh that their particular preferences when it comes to players so far um so, so there's a lot of interesting potential connections. I mean, we know Chet Holmgren played in high school with Jalen Suggs and that he's freakishly long uh, and has uh, good defensive impact. Those elements tend to be the type of thing that that front office looks at longer players who can play defense um, and, and, on the flip side, though, they're also a, a, a team that seemingly goes for what they determine BPA is with their mm-hmm. picks um, and don't generally seem to 
factored too much into how uh, that BPA might fit with uh, the players they currently have in their core. Um, so, so it's, it'll be very interesting to see what they go with, with the number one overall pick. And from what I hear, it's not like it's been decided already. There's no like, Hey, we already got a Jabari Smith, Orlando magic Jersey all made up and like ready to go or, uh, you know, so that their choice there will say a lot about what that front office thinks about the players they already have um, and, and where they want to go, what they want to become as a team. I, I think you, you make an excellent point. Who they pick here, I think will truly kind of set this path for Orlando because I thought last year, and I still think I had my thoughts on the draft last year. And I thought that drafting Jalen Suggs was going to be amazing. And that instead of um, going with um, Franz Wagner, that Moses Moody would be the pick. I thought his upside was better. Um, His offensive floor, you know, much more untapped, but looking at, well, I mean, Franz Wagner is, is a very solid pick Jack of all trades and Jalen Suggs had a very rough rookie year um which yes. can rookies bounce back yes it's their rookie year you know but am i doing Darius a- Garland had a really rough rookie year All-star and now third he's year. a no doubt max level foundational player for the Cavs oh absolutely so. you said it so and that's 100% the case so it's one of those things where it takes time with that being said if we bring in Chet and this is, again, wherever you think personal philosophy in terms of draft and players and stuff like that. I don't think Chet is, like, the main offensive guy. You're still uh-huh. looking at a Jalen Suggs or is a shooting Cole Anthony, who I think is more of a six-man better. You know, you're still uh-huh. going to fit there. Now, then again, it goes back to what you think about Jabari Smith Jr., who I am in love with as a shooter, someone who fits um, general manager John Hammond's length and switchability uh-huh. like a Chet would, but has a lot more portability in the offensive end. And someone mm-hmm. I think could level up a little bit. Or there's Paula Bancaro, who doesn't actually fit either of those, but offensively is superior to both, and his passing is the best of the three. So, again, this is a question we could dive yeah. into more tomorrow. I don't want to go too deep in exactly. it. Exactly. Each of them have interesting um, layers to kind of explore and flesh out, and yes, I'm pumped exactly. to do so. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, and we'll, we'll touch on this next time, obviously, but do they go for the player – who fills the greatest hole for them right now. Yes. Do they go for quote unquote, like the safe pick who also has upside or do they go for kind of the, the guy that fits that, that checks the most boxes for how they typically prefer their players. Yeah. So like, it'll be interesting for sure. Absolutely, to see where these guys, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm, like I said, this is one thing from a draft. I know we don't dive too super deep in the draft in our conversations, but for this specific question, I think it'll be interesting. Just from a bird's eye view, we can kind of see what these players kind of look like and how they could potentially fit, and that's exciting for sure. But um, yeah, now we're on to team number three. Yep, we'll go with the Detroit Pistons. Detroit basketball. Sorry, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. and to me, this is kind of similar to the question with the Houston Rockets, but after slipping out of the top three picks, can these Pistons find a second foundational player to pair with Cade Cunningham 
in this draft. You uh, maybe these teams are. I said second shot creator, but I had the, the exact same question. Yeah. Can the Pistons find that second shot creator? Yeah, because right now you have some really quality young players alongside Cade, who I think have long term potential to be on the next really good, potentially great Pistons team mm-hmm. in Beef Stew. Isaiah Stewart. I just like saying beef. Uh, no, I know. Every it's t- such, a great, funny, it's you, such a great nickname. You're one of the few guys I, I talk to as much that says that. We t- I guess we talk about the Pistons more than I remember. But every time you say beef stew, it sticks out to me because I don't – when you just casually refer to him, I'm like beef stew. Oh, Isaiah Stewart. So you said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Sadiq Bey. Like they, they have some quality young guys who kind of complement – uh, Cade's game fairly well, but who aren't maybe necessarily what most people would consider foundational players. Uh, and so you, you're going to get to a point, especially if they don't wind up trading Jeremy Grant uh, and, and kind of creating some more space where eventually you're going to get to the point where these extensions start kicking in. And all of a sudden you don't really have the flexibility to add that second foundational piece to Cade, at least not easily. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in this draft, whether it's, you know, uh, swinging for the fences with their fifth pick, whether they uh, perhaps trade Jeremy Grant to the Blazers to pick up a second top 10 pick. And maybe they can't get a second foundational player, but they can really have a nice level of uh, quality uh, complementary players around Cade and mm-hmm. maybe go at it from that perspective. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what they do at the draft and this offseason to, to kind of pair Cade with someone else. I'm with you on that as well. I think that it's not just the draft because you're right. I had um Bryce Simons from Motor City Hoops on recently, and it was a good conversation we had about, hey, you know, do you take that pick? Who are you looking at for that pick? You know, whether it is um a Ben Matherin, a Johnny Davis, um Jaden Ivey maybe slips. You know, maybe you trade up, maybe you trade down, uh, get a more of an impact player there. I also thought in the off season, um, I, we talked about potentially acquiring like a um DeAndre Aiden if such were available, like a, like a sign trade or yep. something like that, exploring an option, the studio space there. Um, you know, it was kind of tossed around, but he had a b- breakout year with the Lakers, which is very rare to say, especially for last year, but Malik Monk, you know, being young enough that he fits the scoring guard, yeah, so the shot creator in that alone, potentially, but that could be more fleshed out and it will be tomorrow, so we'll, I'll leave some of that out. But yep. that is a question that um I have as well. It felt right to kind of dive in as well because the second shot creator is what they need. They have a lot of serviceable guys that – Almost remind me of the go-to-work Pistons in that way. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, even like Sadiq Bey, even though he's a three point, one of the best three-point shooters in Pistons history, like still, which is crazy to say so early, but defensively solid. Isaiah Stewart, yeah. you have some solid pieces. I, uh, I, I could see both Sadiq and Beef Stew, like, actually having a roster spot on some of those past yes, teams if yes. they somehow magically got transferred. Mm-hmm. back in time yeah oh i'm exactly right there with you like they just the way they they fit but you're right you need that guy at least in this nba you need a second mm-hmm. guy you know um and that's that's the question so yep. yeah but going from that we got a good pace here all right yeah yeah next we're, we're uh checking in, in with sam presti and the okc thunder um and my main question with them 
we know that they're in a rebuild and we know that they're kind of willing to take their time. They're not afraid to take their time. So my question is, can they start to solidify an identity for their rebuild with their three first round picks in this draft class, Mm, including number two? Yeah, which is going to be big. Mine is similar. It's just how much longer will they tank? I mean, I've played enough video games. It's, I know it's horrible. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm not I'm not a GM, but I have played a lot of basketball video games. But, like, I've tried with the Thunder. But I and, play one on my computer screen. <laughs> oh, all the time, baby. Listen, I put regular time on – I mean, well, 2K happens when it happens, but I put regular time on basketball GM, like, literally my phone yep. right now. Yeah, so exactly. I'm always I on knew that. it. You know it, literally. It's always on my phone. And, like, I've done the Thunder a few times because they're a tantalizing team. And, yeah, like, Basketball GM is great a game as it is. It's not like the end-all, be-all players. Or this is what they would – obviously not. What I'm trying to say is it illustrated a point for me. I was trying to do more of a realistic rebuild. You see us on YouTube. Google it if you don't. Where, you know, you take the picks that come. You don't go for any outlandish trades. You're not packaging 13 of your picks for Paul George or Kawhi or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that you can have the best team building strategy in the world. Your players that are currently on this roster, not only will they start getting expensive as become extension eligible as you still are rebuilding, but also in the meantime, between time, what if they're not down with the winning, losing, mm-hmm. you know, what if they're not down? I know certain players instinctively aren't down. That's why it's like, Oh, tank for the future. Easy for you to say as a fan, but these players you're tanking for are going to end up taking the players that are currently on the team, their job eventually. So it's like, basically I should lose games so that my replacement come and take my spot. And if my team consistently loses, no matter how much production I put up individually, I, my value across the league decreases. So even if yes. you know uh, you draft somebody, you draft somebody who takes my job, I'm going to have a harder time finding my next job because they're going to be like, yeah, but you you did that on a really bad tanking team. Yep. So we yeah. don't know if you can actually do that on a good team like ours. Mm-hmm. So. Look at those Sam Hinkie 76ers. You know. Yep. Like for every Robert Covington. You had a, a random guy who Hollis Thompson. There you go. Who like had moments, you know, uh-huh. but because of the role they were in, they they, they didn't get another shot. You know, yep. it was like, oh, someone has to score the points. And like on the one hand, yes, they they have a point. Like a KJ McDaniels, you know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. guys like that. You already mentioned one that was Hollis Thompson. Uh, remember Tony Roden? Oh yes. I think he had a run with the. Grizzlies, we might be the I only remember. people though. <laughs> yeah, we might have named only three. You're right. But no, he actually started with the Grizzlies and flamed out with the 76ers yep. at age 22. Just looked it up. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like, I'm not saying, yeah. you know, whether it regression or whatever the case may be, but because he scored a lot of points, I mean, for his career, I was double figure score. His career was four seasons long. I mean, mm-hmm. he would be just entering his age 30 season right now in Which the, is in crazy. the league. Exactly. Yeah. So you do give a rep to these players as well in doing so. So that's my question because mm-hmm. I've heard some stuff from SGA. Uh, through the media, you know, not much. I, who knows what he really thinks, but he said things that lead you mm-hmm. leave. Uh, I don't know. So that's what I'm curious about. But um, yeah, that that's gonna be a fun question to dive into uh, for tomorrow. Um, but right. for the next one, yeah. So then we'll move on to the Indiana Pacers with uh, their highest pick in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing with the Pacers is they've historically kind of staunchly avoided rebuilding that uh, they, they don't, they don't want to uh, dip into rebuilding 
too much. And, and there's a very obvious reason for that, uh, that they they're consistently in the very bottom of the league when it comes to average attendance. Um, you spend a, when you're already in that situation, going into a, a, a hard rebuild, it puts a lot of strain, strain. on your finances and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so my question is, how long does this front office have to quickly rebuild before Herb Simon decides to rebuild the Pacers front office? That's true. So how much time does the front office have buying themselves before? Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because you're right. Historically also, Indiana's not been the team to blow it up like that. That's not in their nature. You know what I mean? They are a team that has been, you know, kind of in that lesser part of the East. Yeah, and they've had some horrible losing seasons. But even if you look back on the rosters they had that were losing that many games, on theory, they were competitive. It was just injuries, superior Eastern Conference, etc. My, 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 my question was a lot more of a um, specific one in this case, which is, what's the plan of power forward for this team? Because Great question. Because where the Pacers are drafting – you know, uh, the top three guys are big guys who swing between four and five, and they will most likely all be gone by the time Indy comes up. You they know? will definitely be gone by the they, time Indy picks. Yeah. There you go. So you have that. You know, uh, uh, Jalen Smith, more of a five. Also restricted free agency awaits. Or, or actually, no, I'm sorry, unrestricted free agency. Yep. Because the, it sounds kind of option. Isaiah Jackson didn't really have a whole lot of time with the Pacers when he did. Mostly a big. TJ Warren, where he's at? Oh, wait, still with the Pacers, but he's been injured. For now. Four games, exactly. (laughs) Oh, free agency's awaiting him, too, and he's had four games in two seasons. So, Mm -hmm. questions for all of that. Like, they're good on guard. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte. Yeah, can you always grab another guard? Sure. Jay Nive, the other guy's great. Uh, Ben Mm -hmm. Mather will be nice. I like Johnny Davis. But you have guys there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Center spot, I mean, listen, they said if they're ready to take Miles Turner off the trading block, um, NBA uh, insider Mike Stern said that they might be. Well, then that's mm-hmm. locked down. And Small forward. You got Isaiah Jackson to play some backup. And that's five. true. Yep. Exactly. All the guys we just met, I mean, everyone minus CJ Warren, who again, four games in two years and free agent. But if you bring back Jalen Smith, he's more of a five. Yep. You know, you bring in Isaiah Jackson or, or Isaiah Jackson will be back. Again, like you said, plays more of a five. So that's my question as well, especially since to kind of piggyback off your point. This Pacer team isn't going to, like, take it slow and, and try mm-hmm. to rebuild. No, they, they want to be right back in that area, in that mix. So is it a stopgap in free agency? Is it trading up or down? We'll talk about that, but that's my question. Nope. Excellent question, and I, I think that is the the hole in the lineup that they're most interested in plugging. They just didn't get the lottery luck to to plug in one of the top three guys there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that's and that's and that is what it's unfortunate. I mean, you would think when you do go out of that way for the first time that we might have seen some blatant tanking from Indiana. And even then they still play Tyrese Halliburton and other guys having that, so I don't want to say that. But they would get more of an impact player. They did not, so now the question is, how do we continue? Yep. Up next we have my home state team and Corbin's favorite current front office. <laughs> Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> oh my gosh! You, wait till you hear my question. Oh yeah, I can. I can only <laughs> anticipate. Uh, at first, I, I was going to ask, you know, uh, do they keep this pick or do they move it? But I think the bigger, more important key question for them is: Do they actually have any realistic path to Western Conference contention in the near future to appease Dame? I, you know what? I think 
that that is the question and a half. Seeing mm-hmm. the hurt on Dame's face mm-hmm. when they drafted seventh was not drafted seventh, but were slot slot seventh hurt because you could totally tell mm-hmm. that he was like, "Wow, I sat through all of this, <laughs> like saw my best friend get traded, <laughs> yep, and all of that to not only not get a really good Pelicans pick." but also not get a difference maker and not even close enough that you could say, wow, maybe one of these guys will fall to me. No, don't get it twisted. By any permutation, any natural, it's not happening. We're going to get one of those guys. We're going to get a guy who's going to be a solid piece that might fit in. That's been the Blazers for years. So, yes, like seeing that in his face, I was like, wow, 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 wow. You know, because your offseason, still got to re-sign Anthony Simons, regardless. Still got to figure out what to do with Yusef Nurkic in general. And now you have Dame. And now that, that question is resurfaced. It'd be a lot easier if you had a top pick because you could either take that pick and just select it or yep. trade it if you thought there was a real difference maker. But now, now the question is, for me, it's, it reminds me of this old TV show, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? What I love the, that show. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a classic, you know, the catchy yes. theme and all of that. Yeah, banging, banging yeah, theme. Exactly. So what in the world is the plan for the Blazers? Like that is my question because I don't know. Like clearly, I think you, I don't think it's hard to say. Blazers had many good players in history, but I think it'd be safe to say that Dame is probably one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, like yeah. Blazer in front. It's so weird saying that of players that you are currently watching when you've seen like LeBron. Easy, LeBron's the greatest Kyle of all time. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. arguing that. If you ask me, the greatest Laker of all time, that's tough. The Blazers have just enough storied history, just enough guys like Bill Wall, you know, like Walton, Drexler, Drexler, like, exact. Yeah. Even to a much lesser extent, they're not up there, but they're in a conversation, a Brandon Roy, a LaMarcus Aldridge, like top five, top ten. But who's the greatest Blazer of all time? Well, Bill Walton won a championship with them, so that should give you some respect. And an MVP. And MVP, but he didn't play as long with the Blazers as those guys, and leaving Mm -hmm. wasn't great for him, right? Um, Clyde Drexler played almost a decade with them, led Mm -hmm. the Blazers to two finals appearances. Um, Again, that's a solid choice, but maybe didn't have the, the, the moments that Damus had. Or that uh-huh. type of feel that Damus had in the same vein, you know? Wasn't the, the celebrated leader there you that go. Dame is as well. Yeah, too. so yeah. that and it's exactly so and that's not a knock on Clyde, it's just more of no. a, a a nod to Dame. So putting him there, let's just say that. Let's putting him in that area, it's like, okay. What do you do? Because we're trying to rebuild now. We said we're trying to be a contender rebuild. We got off of Andre's contracts. We also got rid of talent. CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, Norm Powell, all in February, all gone, right? Now, I didn't think, and me and Josh Josh have talked about it. You've opened my eyes a little bit to some of this, but I didn't think they got nearly enough back, even with Simon stepping up a whole other level. If he's your main piece coming back, I I don't think that's super great when you consider the Nuggets are healthy, but presumably. The Clippers are healthy, presumably. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans, thank you, CJ, are healthy and better, presumably. Mm-hmm. And then also, hopefully, a better version of the Lakers, you know, knock on wood, the Suns uh, doing something. The pl- <laughs> yeah, you know, you had there. But you get what I mean? The West is going to get tougher. But yes, Let's say yes, the Jazz exactly. take a step back and the Jazz side to... E- even if the Jazz or the Suns take a step back, for yes. instance, like, they're still going to be firmly in yes. playoff positioning yes and that's what i mean it's gonna be hard to get that much better to knock Mm -hmm. off one of those teams barring a lakers like collapse and Mm -hmm. even if that happens you need to take advantage of that that's my question we'll dive more to joe crone i'm excited about that's a multi kind of tiered question there in joe crone Mm -hmm. oh my goodness but let's go on to the next one here josh yep so up next we have uh 
the Kangs. Sacramento oh Kings. Oh my god. <laughs> which, okay. Which, my question's uh, facetious, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kings are the Kangs are gonna Kang. Um my question for them is clearly they're 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 playoff focused. They they want to get into the playoffs. That's why they traded Tyrese Halliburton to acquire the more established DeMontis Sabonis mm-hmm. in hopes of helping push themselves closer to the playoffs. That obviously didn't work this season. Um, much like the Pacers, they finished at the near the very bottom in average attendance. Um, there's a lot of, I'm guessing, internal pressure uh, to break the longest playoff drought currently in the league and hopefully boost that attendance up more. So how might these Kings make themselves playoff worthy this off season? That's a great question. I wish I had shared the same. Um, I mean, a little tongue in cheek, <laughs> little winkling joke. My question was, how will the Kings screw up yet another off season? I'm not going to lie. I was considering that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure I put Howard the Kang's going to Kang at first. Um, Because they just is so, there's just so, I mean, I don't know. Again, we'll dive in a little bit more. I just think there's so many ways they can go wrong um, with uh, just ownership, the front office, the move they make with the pick, where they think let's trade it all for, I don't know, think of the worst possible player to pair with the Kings, Jeremy Grant. The worst possible player who may be available with that pick. Because we think that Jeremy Grant, DeMontis Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, Darren Fox, Big Four will lead the Kings to a top six pick. I'm just giving ideas there. It's yeah. funky as I don't know what, but just so funky, I think the Kings front office might do it. You know? And yeah. so something like that, I just feel is possible. We'll dive into that more, but that that's my question for them for sure. Um, it's just, uh, it's the Kings, man. It's the Kings. But let's get our next one up here. Yeah, you're not going to like this one. Uh, after the Kings, we go to your Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. That hurts. That hurts. That hurts. Which don't even have their pick in this draft. Which is why I barely wanted to put them in here, man. I'm not going to lie to you. We we decided to throw them in there because it wasn't just, you know, uh, who's picking in the lotto, but who was, you know, outside of the playoffs. uh, I, I think there's a pretty obvious question, and I apologize beforehand for saying this, Corbin, because I know it's going to sting. But how did the Lakers build around LeBron, AD, and Russ with almost no firsts, uh, no desirable trade pieces, and almost no cap space? That hurts. Mm-hmm. That really hurts that you – I mean, listen, uh, Rob Palenka – and the front office for the Lakers are they? I mean, they already had their work cut out for them. One could say they've had their work cut out for them for a minute now, but they keep making the wrong decision. In this case, they really, really do because again, playing my games, I've tried and I just quit. I just quit. I tried one this morning actually because I'm crazy. I was like, let's do a little sim with this 2021 Lakers team, and they have this little feature on Basketball Gym I love that's just autoplay. So what would you do, UI? Like, like I'm not gonna do anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into free agency. I'm gonna bring my Malik Monk if that's possible, and then UI take it away. And like, I just simmed to the preseason, looked at the roster, I was like, oh my god, the horror! Like the computer did what it thought was best, and we basically had a 2023 
2022-2023 edition of the same team from last year. Like, it was yep. some over-the-hill guys, and we were still hopelessly capped. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It was horrific. So, again, just from a realistic standpoint, I really don't know. It's like, just do what – let me not look, but let me see, but let me not see. Uh, my, my, <laughs> my question for the Lakers was, can the Lakers get themselves into this draft? A much more palatable question, Josh, because – they don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a second. Like, if the draft passed right now, they were not into it because they sacrificed their second-round pick in the swap mm-hmm. they did in 2019 for Anthony Davis, which, again, got a championship, not complaining, but right mm-hmm. now it would be pretty nice to have that pick, you know? Um, yep. Just saying. So, in this case, what do they do? What do they give up? Are they going to swap a future second or, Lord help us, a future first um, with somebody to offload? Or are they going to try to do a one-for-three trade? How are they going to do what they're going to have to do to get where they have to be? A lot of how and what and if, but that's your Lakers. So thanks, Josh, for that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> for for those of you who, who obviously can't see me, there was a lot of grimacing uh, while oh, yes. discussing this. Oh, yes. Uh, and, you know, great question, Corbin, and, and we'll dive into it next time. And I know that'll be a painful experience, but uh, – You know it. You know they're they're not in a very good position right now to actually make the necessary adjustments. They really aren't, and it hurts. But like they put themselves in this hole, and I think yep. learning from you in this case is going to be really interesting because I do want to see okay, how would a GM in this situation where they're hopelessly capped out? The talent is there, but it's short supply, and you know you have to bring pieces around you that fit that you can afford, and the players matching both of those is very very small, somewhere between uh-huh. little and none. So definitely want to talk about that. Yes. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, so up next, we'll talk about the team that has the Lakers pick. Um, they actually did wind up in the play-in. And, yeah, and in the play-in. They, they did what they yeah, set out like, to do. Somebody the Pelicans, understood the assignment. Yeah, the Pelicans understood the assignment. And after uh, the trade deadline, they really pushed hard. Uh, and they pulled it out. Uh, and in top of it, they get the Lakers pick. So kudos to the Pelicans. Um, for me, the big question for them, and I think it, it's also a pretty obvious one, is will Zion be healthy enough to actually join Brandon Ingram, CJ, and Herb on the road to the playoffs next season? That's a solid question. That's a really solid question. Um, also, shout out Jonas Valanciunas. I, there I go as well. Up, but like yep. Jonas, I he's got in you, there too. He's a big part you, of the of the Pelicans' uh, return or return uh, revival, whatever the case may be. I agree with you on that. Um, mine was simply how can the Pelicans add more shooting to their budding roster? And this was taken from a Zach Buckley. Um, who had an article on like teams' uh, needs in the draft, but I think mm-hmm. it just applies to the Pelicans perfectly here. Um, New Orleans only had three players average at least 1.5 triples this season. For context, 140 players across the association, about 4.7 per team, uh, eclipsed that mark. So, it really, the three players who did it for New Orleans was CJ McCollum, who, by mm-hmm. the way, they got at the trade deadline, Devontae yep. Graham, who we saw it wasn't very big come playoff time, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who departed the team at the trade deadline. So, or just before, actually. Yep. So that tells yeah. you that you're really looking at only C.J. McCollum as that guy. You need more, and especially on ball. Thank most you. The time. Yep, and that's especially if you're going to have a healthy Zion around a Brandon Ingram because C.J. and 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 Brandon Ingram can both shoot the three, but kind of prefer that mid range game. Uh-huh. And Zion has shot the three like what eleven times over his career. Like he's made like four point B. He's not a three point shooter. You know what I mean? Um, at least not yet. 
So yep. he's someone who the gravity that he creates at the rim is going to open up opportunities for shooters. But Herb Jones is not quite that guy. Um, same with Jose Alvarado. Same with Jonas Valanciunas. All those guys taking them. Yes, making is a bit. Yeah, and those guys are going to be on that team as well. Two of those three I mentioned will probably be around Zion, Brandon Ingram, and of course CJ McCollum. So, Mm -hmm. are they going to get that in the draft, in trade, free agency? We'll talk about that. But that's my question. It's a good question, and something I think uh, their front office is very focused on figuring out. Definitely hope so, man. Yeah. Uh, Up next. We have uh, the San Antonio Spurs, um, who, you know, they're in the lotto again. Doesn't happen that often for the San Antonio Spurs. And my real question with them is, who are the Spurs really trying to be this upcoming season? Like, what's their actual goal? Because they have some really interesting and good solid talent but they don't really have massively impactful players like DeJounte's maybe on the tier just below a consistent all-star all-NBA type guy like DeJounte's clearly a really 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 good player and Mm -hmm. and was an all-star but if DeJounte Murray's your best player and and the rest of your team is pretty good, but not great or excellent. Uh, what what's your outlook really gonna be? Yeah, yeah, and that that's a great question. And and the answer for that, I'm gonna have fun answering that one because I don't really know. Like you're right. Like a lot of the Spurs team building has been, I don't know. And this is why I'm not. It's not been safe picks. It's been really solid character guys who fit in a role and know their spot and are great Spurs people. And that is great. But like, and I guess this is my question. Can the Spurs find their next centerpiece? Like who is their next centerpiece? I feel like they've had guys who had to play the centerpiece role. Uh, DeJounte Murray mm-hmm. looking at you, but who are not for different reasons. I think DeJounte Murray's offensive game is kind of st- stunted due to his lack of a reliable jumper. Um, and being on ball that much and not being a great shooter um, isn't super great in terms of finding success. He's done an admirable job with what he's had, but like, it's just not what that is. Um, at least not in this NBA. So, you know, look at that. Kelvin Johnson's had moments, but not that guy. Uh, neither is Lonnie Walker, neither is Jakob Pertle. Look up, up and down the Spurs roster, and you won't find that player. Devin Bissell is very solid. Not that guy. So can the Spurs find their next centerpiece? And they're really hoping, I'm sure, to jump into the lottery. Not to jump the lottery. They're already in the lottery. Jump into the top four, top three, to maybe get that guy. I mean, as, as unlikely as that might have been, to be able to go and possibly get a Bancaro, a Jabari, a Chad. Like, those guys have been solid. But now they're back in the same phase where they were. But they already have enough players that fit that role from previous drafts in the same mm-hmm. selection range. So a, ben, a, a Benedict Matherin, nice, nice solid piece. You already have Dan Bissell in the wings, you know? You already have other guys taking that same type of role. So another guard, <laughs> look at that. You already have that. Power forward, you got that too. Center, now, mind you, with where Yaka Pertle is, potentially a good trade piece, um, contract situation coming up, that's nice, but the player you get is going to be more of a project guy who, yeah, the upside mm-hmm. might be great, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe a Jalen Durant. Not going to help you next year immensely. Um, mm-hmm. Same with the Mark Williams, who's a little bit older. So that's the question there. Can the Spurs find their next centerpiece? Um, I want to kind of go into that a little bit because I don't know if that answer is through the draft, but I think it is worth exploring through freight or trades. Either way, yes. um, definitely something to kind of go into with you. They're going to be one of the teams that actually have cap space, meaningful cap space, which means 
they could potentially do some interesting stuff in free agency and trade realm, but uh, we'll discuss that some more next time. Absolutely, absolutely. But we are we are getting over here. Okay, now we're on number yep. eleven. Yep, the Washington Wizards. Um, there's a very clear, glaring hole yep. with the Wizards, yep. which I led to my question. question. Um, which is how can the Wizards fill their starting point guard spot when they have when there's no obvious uh, impact now point guard prospects in the draft where they're where they're selecting, uh, and perhaps no clear cut like impact now point guard prospects period in this draft class. Um, and they have very, very little uh, financially that they can offer in free agency, given uh, the contracts they already have on their books. So how do you plug that starting point guard spot when you have basically some lint and uh, a, a stick of gum in your pocket? <laughs> Why does that sound eerily familiar to the Lakers? <laughs> Because uh, it is. <laughs> I yeah, dude. This is. But at least this is a clear like they have a specific, a single specific hole that mm. they really need to focus. Whereas the Lakers have a couple other problems to tackle with. But yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's painful. I don't want to talk about it. Let me let me just yeah. give my question here. Just... <laughs> it's even more ironic that the Lakers traded with the Wizards in mm-hmm. what everyone crowned those who thought the Lakers were going to win 70 games <laughs> Kendrick Perkins um, and those who thought the Wizards made one of the best trades in the last 10 years which I saw that some article and it was insane um, both failed miserably so it's yeah. ironic that they're both in similar situations but my question is and I, I took the same thing I even kind of generalized it more where is the Wizards next long term backcourt partner for Bradley Beal because yep. maybe you switch Bradley Beal to more of an on, on ball point guardish role and you bring another guy who can kind of play the same thing and be a shooting guard maybe like uh, this is going old school I'm sure there's been better examples but I was thinking like oh eh okay so remember when David Kahn, it always starts over when you start with David Kahn. Remember when David Kahn. Oh! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when David Kahn suggested that you, that he should draft, um, Ricky Rubio and, um, Johnny, Johnny Flynn, Johnny Flynn because they reminded him of the 70s Knicks with Walt Frazier and Earl Monroe, which sounds ridiculous and saying, and I understand it completely. But also, <laughs> yeah, I was... Talk uh, about, like, way off comps. Um, yeah, A little yeah, bit, yeah. right? But, but he about, also said Darko was mana from heaven. Exactly. I mean, more... Uh, pff, Lord have mercy. But even if you look <laughs> at more... I don't even say modern examples. You had the Pistons back in the day with uh-huh. jo- Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, and Joe Dumars yeah. actually playing point guard toward the end of his career almost yeah. exclusively. So both guys being able to swing back and forth, even to a more modern extent. We didn't see a whole lot of it. We're seeing it now after the trade. Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, essentially yeah. two point guards. Though CJ played shooting guard and Dame played point, and now we see CJ Moore point guard for the Pelicans. We'll see how long yeah. that lasts. But the point being, maybe the Wizards' next long-term backcourt partner is a swingman kind of guy. And whether that is a Johnny Davis, bless you, or a um, or a Benedict Maffrin, or whatever the case may be, uh-huh. Bradley Beal plays more of the quote-unquote point guard role as the main on-ball kind of guard facilitator, like a Dwayne Wade, like a Kobe, where you had a point guard who really just sat in the corner anyway and shot the ball. Um, whoever that is, where is that guy? Because we've already checked notes. Not Russell Westbrook, 
not Spencer Dinwiddie, um, not really anybody right now. Like, who do we have to fill that role? Yeah, and there are some really interesting point guard options available in free agency. But if the Wizards have any chance of signing those guys, they need to do a sign and trade. And, you know, there are some interesting guys out there. Tyus Jones, uh, Monty Morris is a potential trade target, uh, especially after how Bones Highland played. And, and if he, Jamal Murray mm-hmm. comes back healthy, there might be more uh, of a numbers crunch there. Um, and maybe, you know, one of the, the young swing forwards of the Wizards and uh, Kispert, uh, Advia, um, and Hachimura, maybe one of them is intriguing to Denver or to Memphis in a sign and trade. They're definitely not going to be able to get somebody like Jalen Brunson. Um, or do they go really creative and just target somebody who's a really good defender at point, who's not going to turn the ball over much, and who can space the floor for Bradley Beal and Chris Stapps Porzingis in the half court? Yeah. And again, that's that's the important that's the role that's needed to be played. Well, that is a mostly on-ball guy, someone who plays more off-ball that can swing and take some possessions on-ball. Like, I didn't even want to put it just a point guard because I think you can do that yeah. either way. Um, and I think that's a great yeah, that's a great question to explore more in the future here um, together. But uh, now we are on team number 12. We are rapidly closing, but it's been a yep. fun show. I'm really in – my interest has peaked in thinking about this in a different way and bouncing my questions juxtaposed against yours with these teams is really exciting. Yep. Uh, next, we, we go to uh, New York and, and the Knicks, and uh, always an interesting team. Um, not always the most uh, fun team to be a fan of, uh, but my question for them, obviously this was a fallback season after having a really good season the year before. Um, so can the Knicks bounce back while focusing even more on their younger players' development? That's a good question, long-term-wise, too, because you do have a plethora of young guys who need to get time, need to grow, need to flourish in the roles, which have vets like uh, Julius Randle who are kind of in their prime. It really has echoes to the Christian Wood um, Rockets mm-hmm. analogy we gave earlier in terms of a player who – it's going to take up usage, whether they need to or should be the main guy on the team. We see by the result, maybe not. But at the same time, they're not a vet who's going to be ready to, to kind of, you know, fall back into a mentorship role. They're they not Todd Gibson. Give. Exactly. And so you do have those questions there. And these guys need run, you know. You look at a lot of these guys who might be waiting, Obi Toppin, for example, directly mm-hmm. behind minutes for Julius Randle since neither plays center. You know, Cam so Reddish. That, Cam Reddish yeah. as well, who you just brought and barely played after being traded to the Knicks, you know, RJ Barrett can always do more reps and not reps alongside Julius Randle, but just straight up reps. Where's Mitchell Robinson and all this? Like questions, Quentin Grimes, free agent. Exactly. I mean, I went, you, you said it like there is a lot of questions with these Knicks, with this Knicks roster that I I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, is even, um, and this is not a question I have, but like in the future, like, what are we looking at for uh, Coach Thibodeau? You know, mm-hmm. like, is he going to be on a rebuilding team? Because team is closer to a rebuilding team than it is to a contending team. I went through all this, didn't even mention Manuel quickly. Like, yeah. you know, so that's a good all, – all that's great and all that's important. I'm glad you nailed that in your question because my question is a little different, a little more specific. 
But just like we saw with the Wizards, I didn't do who's their next long-term backcourt partner. Who's their next point guard, period? Yeah. Like, I, I think you know, at this point in time, the development between R.J. Barrett and um, Bradley Beal is different, and it should be. I mean, Bradley Beal's 29, almost 30. Um, R.J. Barrett's, what, 22, 23. Uh, R.J. Barrett's not ready for the on-ball role just yet, at least from what I've seen. He's still kind of growing into that. So you need a guy who's going to be able to still spoon-feed these guys easy baskets, get them into their offense. They have not had that. Uh, Derrick Rose for 30 games a season is not the answer. As I saw last year, neither is um, Kemba Walker, unfortunately, Uh-oh. for reasons just a mix of things. Um, neither, unfortunately, is um, forgetting his name now. Um, he Quickly. played no, quickly I think can grow in that role for sure. Yeah. I just don't know if he's there yet. Um, I, I have to look. I'm look. Yeah. He played point guard for a, a, a variety, a large share of the minutes. I'm like, but he's not a point guard though. And it was just Alec him. Burks. There you go. Thank you, mm-hmm. Alec Burks. Exactly. So like. Where is your guy there who can assume that usage and kind of get players involved? Who's your point guard there? Can you get through the draft? Are you targeting free agency? You mentioned that before. A lot of talk, mm-hmm. obviously, all year with the Knicks and Jalen Brunson. Is he even that guy? Questions there. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be fine. expensive. And yeah. uh, you'd probably need to pull off some sort of sign and trade. And even then, after this playoff uh, performance that he's had so far, I have to imagine the Mavs are leaning towards matching on anything for obvious reasons for Jalen. And then do you shift to somebody like a Tyus Jones, who again um, is a starting caliber point guard, but is more of a caretaker type than necessarily the type that's going to really puncture the defense a lot and create open looks for teammates off of him getting the defense collapsed. Um, they're going to be in an interesting spot. We'll, we'll see next time how we might tackle uh, that for the Knicks. Oh, man, I love the way you've been leading this next time. It's going to be a great lead-up when people listen and go, yep, uh-huh. we'll get to that. Yep. I love it. I'm excited just thinking about it. Okay. Yep. Uh, up next, we have the Los Angeles Clippers, um, and then we'll follow up with the team that's actually picking their pick uh, at pick 12. But um, with the Clippers, I think there's one obvious glaring question, which is will Kawhi and Paul George actually play more than half of the games next year? That's solid. Something you have to wonder between Kawhi's injury maintenance and Paul George's catching injuries here and there. Like obviously if they're healthy, they are a legit contender. The problem is at this point in time, is it realistic to expect them to be healthy? Yeah. And I, I mean, but that's with a few of their guys, right? Like I would say the mm-hmm. same thing for Marcus Morris, yep. you know, or Luke Kennard, mm-hmm. um, guys of that, of that ilk. I agree. Like, like what is, what is the, the end goal in terms of injury management? And do you have a deep enough team, the deep enough depth to be able to withstand that, you know? Um, I'm with you on that. That was a similar question I had. It was just how can the Clippers obtain more depth? You know, because you brought back Robert Covington. I think there was an Mm -hmm. agreement for an extension Yeah, two-year extension. Two-year deal, which is good. Like, like, I think that I assume that the answer, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I'm trending negatively on the Kawhi-Paul George thing. So I'm assuming if not – then how can you shore up depth? Because when you had injuries like that at first, it was fine. The Clippers were kind of prepared for it. When those guys got injured, 
once Norman mm-hmm. Powell got injured, for example, and all of a sudden you give him minutes to guys that hadn't had a lot of run, had a lot of experience, yep. they're playing games that you need a lot of both for, you know? Yep. And, and it depends on where that depth is too, right? So like yeah. they, they do have they, the Clippers front office, I give them credit. They've done a good job of unearthing uh, quality rotation young players uh, that like they really shouldn't have had access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done <laughs> a good job. Like Amir Coffey, uh, Terrence Mann, like Luke Kennard was a, a really smart pickup by them when he, Again, when healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, you know what? Isaiah I mean, Hartenstein. I mean, let me. Is a big, uh, a big key that they need to a resign big key for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna change mine. I'm gonna say point guard depth because you brought up an excellent point. You brought. An, I'm glad you helped me flesh that out because you brought up an excellent point there. All these guys there, but when you said Terrence Mann, I was like, yeah, he did play a lot of point guard. Why he played a lot of point guard? Mm-hmm. Reggie, when Reggie Jackson was able to play point guard, he didn't have backup point guard because the idea is that Kawhi and PG can also be shooting yep. forwards. But when both those guys are injured. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. And, and I, there's, like that. I, I mean, from what I understand, they're very high on Jason Preston. Uh, he unfortunately was injured for his entire rookie year. So, uh, like, yeah, again, Thor, it, it's Thor. one of those things like that 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 does dim the light a little bit uh, on the shine of uh, you know the the promise of Jason Preston is like you know he's coming off of missing his entire rookie year because of an injury. And, and uh, how do you adjust to NBA level action, NBA speed, uh, while also you know coming back from a year off mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing? And uh, another key depth issue there, Isaiah Hartenstein, who was fantastic for them uh, to the point they moved Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline. He's an unrestricted free agent. And as we'll discuss next time on some of these teams that need a center, there's there's a very good chance that he, the Clippers will be outpaid, uh, outpriced for keeping Isaiah Hartenstein, which would leave them with just Zubach as their true center uh, in potential matchups with the thing. And, and obviously, they're set up to play small ball, space ball mm-hmm. pretty well if they bring, uh, you know, they brought back Covington. They got, uh, if they, if Morris is healthy, Nicholas Batum, they can do that. Yeah. They but can what happens if they it. meet up against Nikola Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns then or Anthony issues. Davis? Mm-hmm. I mean, they won't. Sorry. No, but. <laughs> 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 very funny, very funny. But no, but I see what you mean. Like, it's, there's yeah. matchups there that are just bigger than the Clippers' flexible forward kind of style yeah. backup big rotation. Mm-hmm. But that could also cause their only big in Zubach, mm-hmm. provided you not bring Hartenstein back, issues. It's, there's a narrow gap there where to win some of these games, you're going to have to go, even a guy like Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Where, yes, like, he could be just savvy enough for Zubach who can give some foul trouble, but just bigger. Then Jonas and Zion. Zion too, exactly. Jonas and Zion. Oh, as a front court. Didn't yeah, even yeah. mention that. Nightmare. Yes. Nightmare. Because you're already you're already you're already using one of your forwards. And then you're gonna what, Kawhi's playing that? Ha. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. You know, in moments. Exactly. Paul George signing up, then it's just on size and yeah, you have issues. I'm sure Robert Covington would get first crack at mm-hmm. it. But the point being, Robert Covington's been one of his issues at first. We've seen that he performs admirably well against some of the bigs, but we saw in the twenty twenty season when he played with the Rockets as the center. 
it only works so well for so long because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, although he is a rangy six foot seven, he is indeed just six foot seven. And yes, you know, centers are bigger than that. So or just stronger yes. like Zion. So yeah, generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's a very very good question. And this team is another one that's going to be interesting to kind of evaluate that one. We got yeah. one more squad. Uh, yes. Although we'll also address the Charlotte Hornets, the Charlotte, who yes. also shouldn't have been in the lottery, but they had uh, they have the Clippers pick, um, and to me, like there's a very, very, very key obvious hole in the Charlotte Hornets, uh, and that's at center. Um, they're like really bad in defensive field goal percentage, uh, free throws per field goal attempts, uh, and defensive rebounding. Um, all things that a good defensive center can help you with. Um, the the Hornets otherwise have been pretty good on in a lot of ways. They have an exciting young core with Lamelo Ball. Uh, and Miles Bridges and maybe James Booknight, if uh, he can ever actually get some playing time, which I think is partially why they're going with a new coach. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So there, there's room for them to actually make a really big leap uh, and have a year like the Knicks had, you know, the year before this one, have a year like the Cavs had uh, and, and so forth. The, this like shocking, like, wow, they actually made like a leap. That leap. Yeah. Like, yes. uh, astronomic leap. Yes. And so my question is, which free agent center will Charlotte target in order to make that leap? And there's a lot of really interesting ones. Aiton's a restricted free agent. We already mentioned Mitchell Robinson with the Knicks is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, unrestricted free agent. Uh, and then uh, there's uh, Mo Bamba, another player who's going to be a restricted free agent. But given where Orlando's picking and who's likely in play for that first pick, Bamba might be available too. So that's four centers who were all 24 years old-ish um who are hitting the market and there's no team that's going to be more desperate for center help than the hornets that is true i I have the same question it's just how will they acquire the starting center because Mm -hmm. i think that free agency very good right but also around the mark where they're at jalen Duran could potentially be available Mark Williams has been marked more in that range, and both those guys being young, being a specific archetype of a player, but yes, a much needed player that would legit be a center. Yeah, you're not getting the the, the potential shooting of a Mobamba or mm-hmm. the potential all around play of uh, DeAndre Ayton if that's possible. You mentioned even a Hartenstein, his passing touch, and other mm-hmm. players' own attributes. But you would be getting a starting center that fits the role that could grow with your younger core. Let's say you bring back Miles Bridges, you do have. Um, of course, Lamella Ball and in eight, I mean, not in eight, but in um, Jalen Duran, from what I've seen, there's a little bit of pass in there. This is a shot's not great looking, but he takes it a little bit, you know, like there is yeah. some, un, I mean, the dude's 18 should be going as, as you know, there's ways to do it. And mm-hmm. that way you're somehow spending less money before a player who may potentially be that guy, you know, yeah. and, and, and mm-hmm. obviously we'll, we'll, we'll dig into this a little further to next time, but the trick is the Hornets don't just need one. Very true. They're going to need two. 
Vision. At least two oh, uh-huh. players who can fit that role so that you have 45 minutes of what they are missing the, the most. Well, here's my question. Do you not see Mason Plumley or P.J. Washington as those guys? So I think Mason Plumlee is always I don't, I don't as a think, starter. But. I don't think I don't think Plumlee's necessarily coming back unless like oh. they they whiff. Uh, well, like I I don't think they'd be opposed to bringing Plumlee Black back, but I think they want an upgrade there. Like it, they're definitely not bringing Harold back. Uh, yeah, but no, like uh, that that's a hole that they need to plug, and I wouldn't be shocked if Plumlee winds up with one of those uh, veteran teams that are trying to like, I could see him being a vet men signing like uh, with uh, the Lakers, for instance, or, or maybe going back to Denver to, to back up Jokic again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, isn't Plumley? I think Plumley's still on contract, right? Uh, I thought, yeah, he uh, still is. I, okay. I thought he was, going to be expiring or he might have a non-guaranteed non-guaranteed for this ah, for eight mil yep that's a good one not eight mil is is 8.5 not a small chunk of change that is true that is you know you make a very good point so uh they have avenues that they're actually pretty well positioned with two top 15 picks and um some flexibility in free agency to actually fill this through the draft and free agency, or maybe through trade, who knows, maybe miles Turner is still potentially available. There's rumors that Rudy gay or not Rudy gay, but well, Rudy gay too, maybe perhaps, but not as a center, but Rudy Gobert might yeah. be available, available in a trade. In trade. Yeah. Um, like there, there's a lot of options and it'll be interesting to see how the Hornets use those options available to them to hopefully find, you know, a piece that will complement right now and grow along with LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, and hopefully James Booknight. Very true. Very true. Yeah, James Booknight, please free that guy. But, yeah, I'm with <laughs> you. That's a solid, solid group right here. Yep. And then uh, last team. But not least. The Cleveland Cavaliers. This which is it hurts. It hurts that they actually were in the lotto because they had such a massive leap, and then injuries just killed them down the stretch, uh, especially at the backup point guard position. Um, and you know, there's a lot to like here. Evan Mobley, like all love to Scotty Barnes. I think Evan Mobley should have been rookie of the year. It's mm-hmm. extremely rare to find like a legit defensive cornerstone at that age in a rookie season. Like it almost never happens. Um, you got Jared Allen who proved to be an all-star fantastic fit with Evan Mobley. You got a real twin towers built there Darius Garland we mentioned him earlier going from a pretty bad rookie year and now in year three he's not only an all-star he might be one of the best uh young point guards in the entire league um there's a lot to like there so my question is how are they going to build upon this leap that's a good question Uh, I I think that 
you saw them kind of go through a lot, you know, being able to first, the surprising start they had, the ability to really anchor on defense, the fact that they were able to kind of adjust to injuries, uh, losing that backup point, having to play with that Colin Sexton, having to adjust with the addition of Rondo to a lesser extent, Karis LeVert to a greater extent, all of those being things, and ultimately still fighting even throughout injuries, I think is is really, really big. Um However, my question is just a little bit different. Um, I have it's more roster. I think I did a few of these, obviously, but it's more roster specific. And it's like, can we get the Cavs some wing help, please? I put wing sock. Yes, in parentheses. Yes, yes, but yes, like, yes. you all all due respect, there was so many games for the Cavs where you hoped that Isaac Okoro could knock down a couple shots, or that Larry Marketing would be exposed playing as the three by teams that would just pick and roll you deaf and isolate and go at you or make use of the fact that you can't quite break someone down off the dribble at the three as a seven footer, as you could as a normal forward, normal wing. So are you able to grab a guy that fits that role? And there are some players in this draft, I think that will fall there, but maybe there's also some free agency. Graham doing a great job now teasing that. So maybe we can kind of look ahead and see what type of players would fit that role because that's a hand in, in, in glove fit that the war that the Cavs, excuse me, not the Warriors need in order to continue because you have bigs locked up, your point guard situation is pretty good. Shooting guard, there is a question, but you have Kyrie Levert as well, so it's not really that big of a question whether yeah. or not you bring back Colin Sexton. That's another thing entirely. Um, and I was going to go with that, but I felt like I was too kind of obvious of a question. The wing mm-hmm. help is one you see because yes, on the surface you have two wings, but also as a question you have wings. So that mm-hmm. that is mine. Uh, can the Cavs kind of get that wing help that they need? Yes. But yeah, man, this has been very, very fun. Um, I love questions, man. Questions, yeah. I, sometimes I think questions are more fun than answers. And, and uh, it's fun to kind of think about what questions these teams might be struggling with, the, the, the problems they're trying to solve. And, and, I think when you put yourself in that headspace, you can really find a lot of interesting uh, ideas and and, um, out of the box thinking can come to you because uh, you're not just thinking of like, oh, well, what's the obvious solution? You're thinking of, well, what's the correct question to ask? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this does open your mind in a way that I like that you did that because you're right. It's not just what I'm used to, which is okay. Question questions all these questions but then okay now i'm how am i how would i in each individual shoe and not just video game management but like actively seeing a problem isolating that and trying to do my best what i know from team building and lessons learned from yourself and others that's be all these other resources i've had to kind of shape my nba worldview in that way so i'm excited to kind of come back to you reconnect with you here on this soon josh and answer these questions the both of us each of our, our questions it should be definitely a fun experiment here the fun thought oh exercise. yes looking forward to it my friend definitely man as always thank you i want to say for coming back on here josh and doing this uh it'll be just a fun to finish it but i do appreciate your time as always and i appreciate you inviting me to play in this basketball playground that, oh it's uh, awesome man it's the best to play in it's yeah. the best i love it <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say, check out Josh. Please do. Like, stuff coming up on Josh is going to be great. Um, stuff that you, as a basketball fan, if you listen to this, I'm sure, are going to be interested in checking out. So definitely check him out on Twitter at 2RedJEarl. 
I mean, as you can see from just this podcast, the man's basketball mind is humongous. So just kind of tap into that and there will be opportunities to do so. Um, much less big, but just as exciting. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Definitely make sure to check that out. Any work, this podcast, all the stuff I do, random round ball ramblings you can find there on Twitter. Um, aside from that, y'all though, thank you again for rocking with me here. Um, for Josh, for myself, we are frosty. Y'all stay frosty and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.